Greetings one and all to I Am The Night, the weekly show where we talk about everything Batman the Animated Series. And this week, oh, it's a corker. It's episode 98 for us, season three, episode 20 of the show. And this is Legends of the Dark Knight. So much to talk about. But hey, I'm not doing it on my own, even though I'm back from walking around the catacombs of the bat caves trying to find a cure for scarecrow toxin and getting some bat gadgets of my own to use i'm with the ultimate offspring adam adamantium ray greetings citizens of gotham yes uh we found him dazed and confused deep below wayne manor and he's he's recovered and returned just how we like him and, and uh i do want to give a shout out to the one episode we did while he was trapped in the tunnels a uh, big shout out to our good our good friend james to step in for us it's uh, always welcome and apologies to you numbers fans out there for not covering which episode number it was but we're back on track that you the dynamic duo is reunited the ancient oracle has returned yeah huge thanks to james atias and to brad filicky who helped us out when uh, adam was away and when um i was lost in the catacombs but also um Watch out for their voices again in our very special 100th episode coming soon, which is also a tribute to the late, great Arlene Sorkin. But this is uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, written by Robert Goodman and, of course, Bruce Tim, and directed by Dan Reber. And my lordy lord, what an episode it is. Adam, before I start going all hyperbole, give us your shout on this episode, first of all. Well, unlike most of the other episodes of this tale and version, Batman the Animated Series, I had actually seen this one, but by accident, because the beautiful thing of a video and DVD publishing left me a little confused to the running order, so I just caught this one by accident. And of all the episodes to watch by accident, it was this one, because as you can expect from the title, Legends of the Dark Knight, we get a very light but still very true-to-form clip show of Legends of the Dark Knight, Batman from the guise of... Uh, classic Frank Miller pulp to Dick Sprang level antics and even Adam West-esque sort of like bips and bangs and pows. We get everything in the spectrum that is still true to Batman's roots. Wonderful new art designs and art directions. Like the kinds of storytelling you would never expect in a show that's been this consistent. But I think this was also just a chance for the creative team just to sort of really play with what they could do internally. And have a little bit of fun whilst trying to tell some two very different but very real Batman stories interspersed with a third one all there in the middle. So I could, I don't think I can ever think of any other creative team that could handle something like this com- within comparison to their own shows. Just to have a break from their own continuity, just to get a little bit ambitious while still telling a concurrent story that runs through it the same way. It was truly powerful, yeah. So good. Couldn't agree more. And the fact that right after the writer's credits, it it gives tribute and a nod to the works of Bill Finger, Dick Sprang and Frank Miller, names that any real Bat fan should should know. And um, Adam, you know those names because I've hammered them around your poor noggin for decades. But um, they are here and present in this episode in such a huge way visually in terms of the corny silver age dialogue it it's just wonderful and the three kids yeah they knocked me out because obviously as soon as i saw carrie i thought hey that is carrie kelly that's the future robin from the dark Knight returns and 
Isn't it weird how the other two kids, uh, Matt and Nick, bear an incredible resemblance to a young Paul Dinian Bruce Tim? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's actually very true because I think one of the notes I had was that they were um, uh, they were kids with the severe case of grown-up face. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that they got the um, the youth down quite as well as earlier episodes. Uh, one that comes to mind is when the penguin was breaking into that house and those two junior detectives were helping out Batman to deal with the penguin and his goons. But yeah, uh, I think that sort of like play of youth or misspent youth is definitely good because yeah, like Paul Denny's and Bruce Timms would have grown up with the stories that they retold Absolutely. in this episode. Absolutely. And this is their way of honouring those heroes with a Batman story. Yeah. Uh, as did I grow up with the stories that they are emerging in this. And there's a, there's another story that I have to mention because it came screaming back to me watching it. And obviously, listeners, viewers, um, if you know that this is indeed the case, then please give us a shout because <laughs> I'm sure it is that the classic story in in Batman 250, which I own a worn, battered, thousand times read copy of, is another one of those comics I got in my youth. It was published in 1973 and brought over by our American Canadian cousins. And it's a story called The Batman Nobody Knows. Bruce Wayne goes camping with three kids and each of them tells a story of what they think Batman is. One of them says he's a giant city-sized man-bat type creature who can shrink down and fight crime. Another one says he's a huge menacing dark shadow of the night, more bat than man, but all hero. And there's a third guy who says, no, he's a tech wizard. He's like a cross between Shaft and Superfly all rolled into one. And that design actually became the basis for the original African Batwing in the New 50 era and at the end Bruce Wayne says well these kids don't know so I'm going to show them and he comes out and they all say oh don't kid Mr Wayne you know you, you know Batman's scary you're not scary you're just a nice guy and that's one of the times when Batman realizes that his, his visage scares the guilty and not the innocent and I felt a lot of that tributed yeah. in this episode as well because they talk about Batman in such unique ways as a figure of the night as this monstrous part bad part human hybrid or just um the grizzled veteran as we see in like the darnice returns-esque batman so those are like still imposing and scary images as well but they aren't scared of him just like these kids in that story are tell telling me about based on how you've described it uh, which I know that you would remember well, because as you say, that, that issue's been... I've to, read that uh, comic to death. to death. It's falling apart, but I'll never, ever, ever get rid of it. I love it. No, you shouldn't, no. Um, but based on how you've described it, it certainly sounds like a very strong set of inspiration. But then again, if we're playing with a young Paul Denny and a young Bruce Tim self-inserting themselves into this story, they're also playing with their own youthful visions of batman so both versions of both versions are right both explanations are correct and that's just sort of the joy of a character as universally beloved as batman you can get many reasons for where that sort of retelling of the stories comes from and he's scary but not frightening to these kids Absolutely. And it, it came screaming back to me when Nick jumps on that window and starts doing the bat sound saying he's a giant bat creature. And I thought, hey, this is 
this is so like um, Batman Nobody Knows. And that, that story's been collected in so many best Batman stories ever and greatest Batman adventures trades that you will be able to find it if you look for it. It's, it's well worth the because It's lovely. But um, we also get the fourth kit <coughs> saying that Batman's fabulous. And, of course, it's Joel and a tribute to the late, great Joel Schumacher, who, mm. yes, he created probably two of the lesser-loved Batman films, but I don't care. I love Batman Forever. I love that film dearly and unapologetically, and that was a Joel Schumacher movie. There's elements of both Batman Forever and Batman and Robin that are still really nice. I think there's elements of showing Two-Face as manic in that episode, in that movie, that was worked well from Joel Schumacher's perspective. And... Yeah, Val, Val Kilmer's sort of like stoic down the middle and imposing thing, because I know you'll talk about like him being like a figure of fear in that movie, just being really solid as well. So there's elements to Batman Forever that still really holds up. And as an action set piece, the opening of Batman and Robin, sure, it's outlandish and ludicrous where they just sort of like sail down the giant Art Deco uh, sculptures across Gotham City. But just like as a set piece, just this huge... Siege by Mr. Freeze and his ice skating goons there in the museum. Just like as an action piece, that is an amazing way to open a movie. So they both have strengths. Sure, they're, they're weird by comparison to the goth, fetish clad horror movies that was the Tim Burton ones, but they have their own merits. And that's also why the, this episode's so great because we have three very different battles. Batman stories. We see Batman as the detective and crime fighter in the real world. We see him as this like garish, um, swashbuckling hero and from like the 60s esque, 50s, 60s esque Dick Sprang stuff. And this like grizzled veteran and figure of fear from as much of, of much of a Don Ice's return they could ever get away with putting onto, onto screen in that medium. All three of those stories are wildly different. You would believe they were the same character. They were all, but they are all quintessentially Batman stories, just like Batman Forever, Batman Robin. So they're all true to the roots, one way or another. It's like we've said since we started doing this show all those many moons ago that Batman's just one of those characters that the reason why he's still going 85 years next year is the fact that he can reinvent himself. He can poke fun at himself. They can be tongue-in-cheek homages like this one that look back at the ridiculous eras. And then you get genius writers like your um, Grant Morrisons who'll take the nonsensical Silver Age and Golden Age stuff and make them part of canon in a strange way by making them part of Batman's fever dreams trying to understand the psyche of the Joker. But it means that all these stories happen to Batman somehow or another. And, and that's just genius storytelling. So when I saw, oh, I just love it. The Dick Sprang-esque uh, Jerry Robinson first interlude and those voices, I was a kid again. That was oh, like yeah. watching the new Batman adventures or super friends and hearing those classic American heroic voices and that funny evil <laughs> clowny Joker, which was still quite close to Mark Hamill's, but then mm. totally different. And then getting the Dark Knight Batman played by one of my favorite actors of all time, Michael Ironside. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the cast. Like you said, it's they're all completely different. Yet they're wildly all different. Wildly different. But 
again, I think that's also a showcase of the versatility of Batman as a character because now that it's part of canon, that one ludicrous story where Batman has to wear a different color costume every night or else the world will end or whatever. Oh, brilliant. That that actually happened to him when he was in the when he was in the Joker's subconscious. So yeah. Um that's just the joy of storytelling about a character that versatile, and we get it on full show here. So yeah, the the levity in the colors and the 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 corny dialogue and the fact that we can just see a hall full of giant musical instruments and be like yeah all right that's that makes total sense it's just so true to the time of like like the golden age of like of when dick sprang was illustrating things so it was a wonderful thing, thing to see it's so beautiful and then like you said the whole dark night sequence oh so good it could have been lifted from the comic book. I mean, it's it's more akin to the comic than the actual Dark Knight Returns movies, um, which were done in the more traditional house style of the time of the DC animated universe. Mm. But this whole thing, and again, the voice actors they've picked to play the different era Batman, the different era Joker, the mutant leader, Carrie Kelly. Um, this has had the biggest cast of any episode so far. And yep. as we'll talk about a, a little bit about all of them a bit later on, but it's not just the, the picking the voices, the visuals. You just know, and we've said it again a thousand times, that everyone who makes this show is a Batman fan, grew up with these yeah. comics, loves these comics, got something out of these comics to reproduce them so beautifully. I mean, you could watch that, I read that old one with the giant typewriters and the giant furniture and whatever else and think, I'm reading a Jerry Robinson, Dick Sprang comic. I am reading Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Yeah. Magic. Pure magic. Really is, because the you'd have thought that they would have shied away from, like, the Dick Sprang stuff, sure, it's light and corny enough that the little kids will get that it's him retelling a story of something that's a little bit more daring and out there. But they don't shy away from some of the more intense stuff from the Dark Knight Return side of things about how the mutants are just going to like kill Batman and eat Batman. They said that over and over again. It really looked like he was drowned in the mud. Another side note. The dialogue's uh, lifted straight out of Frank. Straight, straight, out, yeah, straight, yeah. Out of, yeah. straight out of the thing. But I don't know why my brain fixated on this when I was watching it, but, I, but for some reason, whenever I see a good guy and a bad guy fighting the mud, like in that scene, I always think of the end of Lethal Weapon 1. Oh, yes. Because that's With another Bill great... Gibson fighting Gary Busey. That's fantastic. Yeah, because that's another great clash of uh, big 80s personalities, just like when Donna Returns came out. Correct me wrong if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, similar era. It's not going to be miles apart. It's okay. not going to be years apart at all. No, absolutely. And let's yeah. face it, Mel Gibson's character, at least in the first Heath Weapon, is almost like mini Batman. Let's yeah, be he's... fair. He's the perfect sniper, fighter, yeah. martial artist, detective. Yeah. But still a little bit yeah. unstable because you had kind of have to be to be that kind of kind of crime fighter but because he was a episode, family member and wanted revenge mm. Mm. does that make Murtaugh kind of like Jim Gordon like the sensible lawman that keeps him on the straight and narrow oh the oh I won the lethal weapon Batman crossover now oh I did, did totally um, only fools and horses style Sure. <laughs> but as circling back to the second at least, <coughs> that vision Batman, gigantic tool, Robin, that'd be just hilarious. That would be that would be good. Uh, enough to offer this crimes. Um 
but the vision of like putting Dana returns onto stream that clearly, that honestly, would just like the figure of the tank. Yeah. That's, the that's one of the meanest like, Batman movies ever. And that's been stolen by virtually every live action movie since, hasn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. But like like that, like the the tank in the comic took up like a whole page. So even then, it's sort of been like di- like diluted and scaled down into that episode, the Dino Returns animation and the Tumblr of Nolan's movies. But still, it was a lovely thing to see because the whole sequence was a lovely thing to see. I was astounded as to how close it was to the original material because this is a quote-unquote Saturday morning kids TV show. And you could tell, I mean, I think that's respect um, back then from the network to the creators letting the artists make their art the way they wanted to and we'll see it again in in our 100th episode because mad love wow um how that even got released on a saturday morning schedule is it it blows my mind but it's the same with this i mean like you said the bits with batman in the cockpit let's not call it the driver's seat because that batman bills it's a tank and sitting there and the lighting the harsh black on red and the mutant leader and the the dialogue it's so so late 80s grim noir dark shady gritty it's it's fantastic and it's chalk and cheese it's a million miles away from the story that preceded it with the whole um jerry robertson dick sprang era but it's seamless it just works perfectly because every one of them is a valid interpretation of how people see batman yeah honestly like those stories is are so contrasting that if it were anywhere else and it was about any other character, it wouldn't work. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't work at all. It'd be such a huge, glaring, just ch- jump in tone that people would be like, am I watching the same show? What's happening? That's like That sounds like Mark Hamill, but that's not actually Mark Hamill. It's close. I was fooled. I, I had to listen very closely before I realized it wasn't, same. It wasn't Mark Hamill. Same. But remarkable performance, and I'm sure we'll sing his praises in a few minutes. Um, oh, when you find out who it is, you're just going to go bonkers. The names sounded very familiar, but again, we'll sing some praises very, very soon. But it just shows the versatility of Batman, but it's also just showing the fact that, like, how long was the how long was Batman the animated series running as a show as a unit on screen? Like two years plus at this point. Oh, longer than that, because obviously remember that the season one was over mm. 60 episodes. So that was well over a year, just the first season. And so then obviously, this, mm. so this creative team is like three plus four plus years into the team. Yeah. Into the By the process. time this ended, it was 1998. So 92 to 98, so six odd years. Yeah. Between so the start towards, of the show to the end. Yeah. So towards the end, they were like very seasoned. They know they knew how the tone could be and like how to get the colors in there every like part of the animation to look seamless so at this point i think the creative team were just like like flexing i think they were just sort of showing off their range and their capability and you know what more power to and they created something truly timeless this is we talk about the strength of every episode but this is easily one of my all-time favorite episodes this one mad love and like a few episodes i'll touch on a little later because i can't remember if we've talked about them on the show yet as you say, this is definitely up there because oh, yeah. of the range of it. This is the kind of episode for people who, God forbid, but there are a few, have never seen Batman the Animated Series. Say, right, okay, you'll know what this show's about. Watch this one. 
And if yeah. that doesn't get you hooked and intrigued, and like, whoa, yeah. they did what, how, who? Um, yeah, totally. It, it's just perfect. I think this, this would also be a good episode to put on just as a character study for Batman because mm. all of these are such yeah. wildly different, wildly different things. But like for someone who's like who's heard of the Dark Knight Returns but maybe not necessarily read it, and you see this being like the dramatic conclusion to the first half of the story. So like this would be like you say you watch this scene. This is like the first half of the story. It built up to all of this gangland war with the mutants, and then there's more stuff after this, and you're just like, what? Just blows their tiny minds. And then you can be like, and it's the same character as this dude from the 50s who's going around making music puns and like being the Joker up with a giant saxophone. How is this the same character? It's just an excellent, unlikely vision into Batman across history. Yeah, and you can literally say that, well, I could anyway, because... Um, ultra bat nerd number one i could literally pull out physical copies of comics from each year and say yeah look at it um this is it right here this is batman from 1939 to today and 20 different characters but still the same essence the same heart the same soul the same ethos behind who he is and what drives him and motivates him so hard to get that kind of history done well especially with the history of such contrasting tones mm-hmm. but they did it perfectly in this episode they really did so rich so so rich so um yeah w- what we get is a character study of batman told from the perspective of children and i'm a 53 year old man but i read batman comics and i'm a kid again it's the escape it's the wonder it's the adventure it's the darkness the light the good and the evil like they say in the episode it's it's just fantastic in that way and um yeah um this episode pure class so shall we talk a little bit about the voices starting with the the children of course i think the uh, the strength of a show like uh, of an episode like this is so rooted in strong performances in every voice talent because it gets the tone of batman from across time and the excitement and the youthful joy of these three kids so yeah Let's go ahead. Perfect. Well, let's start with Carrie, um, or Carrie Kelly, the one who's named because she is clearly I mean, as soon as I saw her, that's Carrie Kelly. Uh, yeah. played by Andy McAfee. Um again, voice actor beyond compare. So much work. Virtually every Land Before Time movie. Oh um, wow. Phoebe and Hey Arnold. Um, Back to the Future, the animated series. Uh, Samurai Jack, Gargoyles, and she does appear in Superman the Animated Series as well. Um, uh, Jeremy Foley who plays Nick movies like Dante's Peak appearances in Buffy the Vampire Slayer again a very very well um, crafted piece of voice acting and an actor who's appeared in many different forms and mediums then we get Matt who's played by Ryan O'Donoghue now this one is mega I know that name somewhere he's so much Kingdom Hearts uh, appearances as characters in Toy Story, Recess, Bugs Life, Lion King 2. But for us, Bat Nerds, this is the actor, and it's great that his name's Matt, who will play young Matt McGuinness in Batman Beyond. See now, that actually really tracks because the character design as well as looking Mm. like the part also does look like the McGuinness boys from Batman Beyond. Exactly. Yeah, possible extended relation. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, even the actor who plays Joel, who's literally has two lines in the whole show, Philip Van Dyke, um, 
is actually Arnold in Hey Arnold. Oh, um, wow. And in live action, the Fantastic Four movie, the first one, he was the young Johnny Storm. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that's a, a, yeah. a wonderful range. We love that. Yes, we really, totally. really love now let's talk right. about the adults and I'll mm. start with Michael McKean who plays um, the Joker in this yep. who is so the Joker I grew up with as a kid the Cesar Romero's the, the actors who played him in the animated series of the of the 70s um, <laughs> starting off at Saturday Night Live one of America's great character actors and comedic actors Laverne and Shirley all those TV shows running from the 60s 70s and 80s but you will know him most clearly and this is going to knock you out as the evil agent who is trying to track down the Coneheads in Coneheads oh wow yep yep and most of all as the lead singer of Spinal Tap in This Is Spinal Tap oh wow Wow. Yeah. The greatest Michael movie McKean. biopic of all time. Yes. That's my No McKean. way. Yeah, That's he's, so unlikely. He's in everything. everything. That was just literally what I could pick that everyone would know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lee Singer's so, final type. One of the best British accents from an American actor ever. So he was justifiably, un, justifiably irate at the size of the six inch Stonehenge. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. Brilliant. But clearly he mm -hmm. was um he was raised on the same kind of like bad media that you clearly watched it's to clear know stuff. how to get the cadence. Yeah. To get the cadence of that kind of joker just down so consistently. Clear as whilst, day. whilst I think the like the big part of it was the there was the moment where Batman and Robin were like punching out the goons and Joker was going like, ee, ooh, that's as close as we got to like the bangs and pals of uh, Adam West's TV show era. So be able to give that kind of a sincere performance while still keeping the ham and the energy high, perfect. Absolutely. And and speaking of, the uh, Robin that he beats up on in this episode is actually just like it used to be back in the 80s, um, was played by a young lady. And her name is Brianne Sidol. Um, I cannot list all her credits because she's actually got five pseudonyms as well. She's played oh, wow. under so many names, but mainly in anime. Oh, A wow. list of credits that will blow your mind. But for those out there who aren't so into it, even in mainstream media, um, Power Rangers, various seasons, various characters in 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 various um, iterations of Power Rangers, Gundam Wing, and Digimon as well. So another oh, wow. seasoned nice. seasoned voice actress. Now, here are the two that I've been waiting for, and, and as soon as I saw the names, I thought it can't be. But as soon as I heard Batman's voice in the Silver Age um, section, that true heroic. 1960s i mean voice of uh, from something like the iron giant kind of thing that that yeah. whole walter cronkite era well of course because it's gary owens who um anyone who grew up in my era will, will, will know these characters and you will know them by hearing me and people of my age talk about them this is the voice of roger ramjet Oh, wow. Thomas Classic. Mm -hmm. That's the tip of the iceberg. This is the voice 
of the Blue Falcon and his trusty robot dog, Dinomutt. These are so like pulp animations I've only heard oh, imagines, but I've never seen, but I know of just by reputation. Yeah. Look up Blue Falcon and Dynamo after this, and you'll go, oh, well. And uh, above all, Gary Owens is the original true space ghost whose wow. character design was a huge influence on the character design for Batman in Batman the Animated Series. Look up Space Ghost, and you'll look at it and think, hang on. That's Batman the Animated Series, but it's not. It's decades earlier. Decades earlier. And picking this guy, who is an inspiration to Batman, to play Batman, is so meta, it's wonderful. It's it's I, absolutely wonderful. I just looked up Space Ghost as we were recording, chat, and it's... Yeah, ah. yeah that, it, makes, it makes total sense. But again, I... I know this character so much just by reputation. I know yeah. very, very little of the actual stories of this character, but just like some of those like figures of like Silver Age comics and like old school after school TV from my father's era, just like they are timeless, effortlessly yeah. so. I mean, this is how legendary this guy is. When they did the Space Ghost Coast to Coast remake decades later, they got him in just to play himself. Of course. You can't say better than that. Yeah, if he became so synonymous with the character, it would be unthinkable otherwise. Mm -hmm. And now let's end with um, The Dark Knight Returns, Batman. Have you heard of an actor called Michael Ironside? Yeah, that name Legend. rang a bell immediately. I'm, I'm certain I've seen him in something, but I can't place the name. Legend. Well, just for starters, Jester, one of the main pilots in Top Gun. Oh, wow. Nice. On, yeah. The villain in Highlander 2, the main oh, nice. bad guy, Katana. Um, Richter in Total Recall, one of the guys who's chasing down Arnie, the main physical villain who's in the um, under the leadership mm. of the main villain. The proper Total Recall, not, 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 not the remake. Um, in nerd credibility, very, very few greater. He was also Lois Lane's dad, General Lane in Smallville. Oh, right. Yes, we did see him a few, a few times as far as I watched it. But for us, the man, the myth, the legend, Darkseid is. This is the voice of Darkseid throughout Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited. This yeah. is the guy they picked, and for good reason. He's just one of those amazing character actors i mean again i could not list all his credits but for me he's one of my favorite character actors of all time i love him he's still going strong he still does the convention circuit and if you get the chance to meet him he's a lovely lovely man and it's sad that he always gets cast as the bad guy because he's the top top lovely guy i find a lot of villain actors just generally are quite nice guys they sort of channel their repressed anger into being yeah. sinister and there you go. Uh, and that's as great a cast as you could ever imagine, right? For a Batman animated series episode. How do they get such legendary performers to do bit parts in a vignettes episode? Andrew Romano does it again. Yeah. Uh, as, as she always does. But like I say, this, this may well be a vignettes episode, but has there been a better vignettes episode ever of any, of any, of any TV show? Because I know that 
the format of the clip show is a thing that's uh, dying out in a lot of TV, and for good reason. It was it was sort of done back when television was first coming out that they needed to sort of like still fill the airtime if they could, even if they couldn't like get the episodes finished and recorded for their live studio audience in time. So they would get simple framing scenes and then cut together some best bits just to fill the airways. Um, I think the last, I think the last things that really did that was like um, sitcoms in the nineties. So yeah, exactly. There's, it's it's it's, it's technically hard to call this a vignette episode, but it's done in such a way so that we get to see Batman across history and Batman for multiple perspectives across multiple characters and multiple races. So well handled. Absolutely. And it's because TV has changed so much in the last couple of decades. But back in the days, you know, most shows ran for 20 to 25 episodes per season. So they had to have a couple of episodes to give the actors a break where they'd have to do like a best of or a flashback episode or an alternate history episode. Friends did it loads. Oh, yeah. Um, and even when Doctor Who came back in the UK, making 13 one hour episodes a year was hard work so you'd have episodes which just starred the sidekick and the doctor made a small appearance it happened throughout the entire russell t davies here which is now the reason why doctor episode seasons are now eight to ten episodes rather than 13 or 14 but uh, and that's why but now with netflix and streaming tv shows only from six to ten episodes so you don't get apart from the cw but then those have ended now as well you don't get seasons of 20 to 25 episodes of tv anymore it's something that just doesn't happen because it, it's too much it's it's too much for the actors it's too much for the production team and then literally they get six months working six months off and then six months working and it's 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 hard yeah, it's also changed because of how we take in media these days we don't mm. want to watch things uh, weekly. weekly anymore we just wait for it to be over and then just like, watch it all on demand and it's also very telling these days that that format has so heavily evolved away from that uh, even when they the actors want more concise and more fair like schedules to work around the studios are going to just do them very unfairly and i deeply support all of the work that's going on as of a time of recording just for actors and performances to be paid fairly as well as writers just to just to stick it to the studio executives that aren't seeing any level of fairness to them so Storytelling has changed, but as long as there are good stories out there and good creators who are determined to make sure that they get to tell those stories in a fair way, we'll always come back to media just like this. Absolutely. Well said. So on that note, tell me, Adam, what your main takeaways were from Legends of the Dark Knight. I think my big takeaway has to be the fact that the the main characters the three of the episode the three kids and us the viewers all went away with the same message of batman's true heroism because they were inspired into heroism by calling 911 to get kill him off uh not gonna knock him off firefly arrested and to put out fires while batman just like detained him that level of heroism was like charged so truly into the kids because they charged into that building even though it was past bedtime and they called the called the cops just because it was the right and noble thing to do because Batman became that vision of heroism that they needed they were inspired to do the right thing because that's the magic of Batman absolutely and you just know that in some way shape or form each one of these kids is going to be a hero in their own right in the years to come because 
while it's different to the Batman nobody knows where they look at him and think, oh, no, that's not the real Batman. When they do see the real Batman, it's no longer the, oh, he does this, he does that, he's this monster, he's this creature, he's this heroic figure. They just look at him in awe. And the way he takes down Firefly and they see him as a hero and as a protector. And that's a side of Batman that we don't see enough of, particularly in the big movies, until um, the Matt Reeves a film of, of, was it last year or the year before now? Blimey, time, time's gone by quick. Where he steps out of the shadows and is out there helping people um, and he becomes the protector, the hero that Gotham needs and deserves. And to see the love, not just the awe or the fear in the kids' faces when the real Batman makes an appearance, that really hit home to me as someone mm. who's had Batman as that escape since I was knee-high to a cat. But, I mean, we mentioned the Batman Nobody Knows. That came out when I was three years old. Yes, I didn't get to read it until I was seven or eight. But that's what Batman is to me because he's the kid who grew up without parents. I'm the kid who grew up a lot of the time alone because my parents had to work. And books and comics, more of my best friends were my escape when um, – physical human company wasn't there. So in many ways, I am those three or four kids in this story, those three kids in the Batman Nobody Knows. And I've seen Batman grow and change and um, mature and metamorphose over the decades. And like we said earlier, it might be a Batman that's nothing like uh, the Batman you saw before or we'll see again in 20 years' time, but it's all still Batman. And that, to me, is the magic of the character. And like we've always said, comics are the number one, but after the comic books, it's this show. It's this show that gets more right, knows, loves, respects, and sees the prism of characters that Batman is, was, and can be. It's so hard to do a character with nearly 85 years of history justice, but somehow this one episode has shown all of the sides of the history, all of the truth of the heroism and all of the inspiration of the character can be to the people of his world and us viewers as well. And it did so in just under 20 minutes for quote unquote kids TV. It, that really adds to the magic of this yeah. animation. Yeah. It's incredible. So that's it. That's Legends of the Dark Knight, season three, episode 20 of Batman, the animated series, a show which I love more with every episode I watch. And it's our 98th episode. So one more and then Mad Love, the big 100. So um, until we get to that point, Adam, why don't you tell our viewers and listeners what you've been doing around the worlds of gaming? I have many powerful and gaming things to treat and delight your senses and sensibilities but to keep it flavored on uh, batman flavor goodness you can uh, find my reviews on dark knight news uh, both catwoman and uh, batman beyond are in excellent spots right now as is the apocalyptic batman catwoman gotham war which is starting to come to its dramatic conclusion at least as of the time of recording of this but as we said my one true love pc and tabletop gaming look no further than an hour prior and joy fantasticuniverses.com where i put my two sense across everything to do with the world of gaming pc console tabletop and everything in between in terms of my written content you can look forward to some deck spotlights for host wcg a new card game developed by some friends of mine out in the countryside and uh, we're looking to be an official news hub for that exciting new game and 
May have first thoughts on a game I've been looking forward to for 13 years, the legendary sequel to Alan Wake, and my own thoughts oh, on the a delightful little rogue like Alan's Dungeon. It's going it's to be huge, and I'm very excited to finally touch it. Um, look to Twitter at Tinkerer to talk to me about anything and everything, and look to twitch.tv forward slash Tinkerer where I stream card gaming goodness, including DC Dual Force. I've been putting together some odd combinations just because they are very effective. Uh, when I play my Batman decks, I play him alongside Doomsday because the anarchy cards are very, very strong. Wowzers. Yeah, you can do anything in that game. It's great. I, I, it's one of the card games I think you'd be able to follow. Yeah, I think you really like it. But those are my wild internet adventures. Tell us about little old you. Well, now that I've managed to escape the Batcave, hopefully you will hear a little bit more of me again on the airwaves. But you can always read my work. That has never stopped, and hopefully Touchwood never will, by searching Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes, or even Steve J. Ray's Fantastic Universes on your search engine of choice, which will take you to all my writings, witterings, and crazy sisms across Fantastic Universes, DC Comics News, and Dark Knight News. This show, I Am the Knight, is part of the DC. DC Comics News Podcast Network, along with the main DC Comics News Podcast. And you'll find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, we will be there. And you can even see these heroic visages on the tube of you. But until you do, you must remember one thing. Adam Ray is the knight. Together, we are the knight. And this has been the I Am The Knight Podcast. Thank you for listening. And until next time, read more comics and watch more Batman. Batman. <laughs>